Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Uh, if you're watching this, you see that I'm in a little bit of a different setting than I usually am. We've been having Wi-Fi problems at my house and I'm very frustrated. I could put this company on blast. I'm not going to. We've had power outages in Texas because there's been storms. And for some reason, every time the power goes out and comes back on, uh, our Wi-Fi dies. And so I had to go somewhere else to make sure that I had Wi-Fi so I could look at my computer during all of this. So if you see, I have a very plain background that is not my lovely place of doing podcasts. Typically, that is why. So today we're going to talk about two things and we're going to spend a good amount of time on each. And if I have something else that comes to my head at the end of it, then we'll talk about that too. But we're going to talk about Taylor Swift and her voicing her opinions on the Equality Act. Um, Not because we care really what celebrities think, but because it says something interesting about our culture and cultural influences that someone like Taylor Swift would come out in favor of something like this. And then we're also going to talk about past David Platt praying for President Trump and some of the backlash, crazily enough, that he has seen from that. Before we get into those subjects, I do want to talk to you guys about ExpressVPN. So if you're honest with yourself, you probably don't think about cybercrime that much. Like you don't think that's something that is going to happen to you. You're like, yeah, my information is not that important. But if it did happen to you, it'd be a huge hassle. You'd be worried about what information has gotten out, uh, whether it's your, your credit card information or whatever you have on your computer. Uh, Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the easiest and the cheapest ways for hackers uh, to get your information and to make money. So when you leave your internet connection uh, unencrypted, you might as well just be kind of like writing your uh, your passwords and all of your credit card numbers on this like huge billboard for people to see and for hackers to take advantage of. And I didn't know that before ExpressVPN. And that's why it's important to take action in these kind of things, because your information does matter and it does uh, impact your family safety. And so in order to protect yourself from cyber criminals, use ExpressVPN. Here's what ExpressVPN specifically does. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. It also has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, and your tablet. Uh, Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click, which is really nice if you're technologically challenged. Uh, Using ExpressVPN, uh, you can surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen, which I think is like the biggest thing. This is all for less than $7 a month. So that's huge. I mean, that is nothing to protect all of your information. That's a lot less money than you will be spending trying to make up for all the money that was stolen if someone hacks your uh, hacks your computer. Um, ExpressVPN is rated number one, the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So you use it for a month, you don't like it, you can get your money back. Uh, you can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Allie. That is expressvpn.com slash Allie. My name is spelled A-L-L-I-E. By the way, just a little reminder, uh, for three months free and a one-year package. So visit expressvpn.com slash Allie to learn more. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Taylor Swift and the Equality Act. Now, you probably remember 
for a couple years, it seems like on uh, social media, there was kind of this meme or this funny thing that people would say that like, why hasn't Taylor Swift weighed in on this political topic or this cultural issue or this uh, social scandal? We need to hear Taylor Swift on this. Her silence is deafening. And it was a joke because Taylor Swift, for the most part, has always uh, stayed out of politics, which I think is something that has made her extremely charming. I never think when whenever a celebrity decides not to say something about politics, I never see that one way or another as, oh, wow, they're just weak or they're just ignorant or they're not strong or brave or whatever that is. I always think of that as a very conscious decision to say, you know what? I've got people from both sides of the aisle that either buy my product or tune into my show or listen to my music. So I'm just not going to say anything. I actually think that that is more brave nowadays to stay politically neutral in your public persona than it is to say something, especially when you come out as a celebrity saying something that is leftist. It's like, really, like all of these like clappy hand emojis on your political pro-abortion Instagram posts. I'm like, is this really brave? Like, is this really courageous? In fact, if you said the opposite of this, like if you came out as pro-life as some kind of mainstream celebrity, like you're going to be totally lambasted and you're going to have a hard time finding work. So it just cracks me up when Uh, celebrities, even someone like Taylor Swift, is lauded as courageous by her feminist friends on the left uh, for coming out in favor of something that is liberal. Of course she's going to, because that's what celebrities do. That's not brave at all. That's the most mainstream and with the grain thing that you can possibly do. And that's what she has done. Now, the other week, we did a whole episode dedicated to the Equality Act. It is titled The Equality Act. And I'm going to remind you a little bit about uh, some of what it is today. But if you want a more thorough analysis of what is actually in this act that is not, by the way, actually going to go to the desk of President Trump because it's not going to pass the Republican-held Senate. Um, If you want to know more about that, I encourage you to go back and listen to my episode on the Equality Act. Basically, what it does, it if you're talking to a Democrat, they will say that it extends uh, extends protections for the LGBTQ plus whatever community. So they cannot be discriminated against. And it sounds all well and good. But of course, what we know that it does is that it threatens doctors' rights. It threatens religious people's rights. It threatens counselors' rights. It threatens psychiatrists' rights, which of course, I guess, falls under uh, doctor. It threatens uh, parents' rights. It really threatens individual rights to live according to their conscience, which I believe is not the role of the government. And actually, the founders believe that too. It's a constitutional belief that that should not be the role of the government, whether you're coming at it from a freedom of association uh, standpoint or a freedom of religion or freedom of conscience standpoint, it is um, unconstitutional. It is the left saying we are going to impose all of our ideological views on you to where the point to the point where if you do not comply, you will be punished professionally and probably uh, personally as well. Now, Taylor Swift doesn't know this and, you know, we shouldn't really expect her to. She's got a lot going on. She's making music videos. She's writing music. She's going back from Nashville to L.A. to New York. She's got cats to take care of. So we cannot expect poor Taylor Swift 
to do a whole lot of research on the Equality Act. All we can expect from her is to post a very passionate letter about the Equality Act and how everyone who doesn't support it is really just a bigot. So she posted her letter on Instagram. Don't you just love open letters to another sign of real bravery uh, to Senator Lamar Alexander. He's a Republican um, about protecting LGBTQ rights by voting to support the Equality Act. So this is her plea for him to do that. So Taylor Swift uh, wrote in the caption of her letter, while we have so much to celebrate, we also, so this is, I guess, in a, she's doing this at the beginning of uh, Gay Pride Month. And so she's saying, so while we have so much to celebrate, we also have a great distance to go before everyone in this country is truly treated equally. In excellent recent news, the House passed the Equality Act, which would protect LGBTQ people from discrimination in their places of work, homes, schools, and other public accommodations. She states, I've decided to kick off Pride Month by writing a letter to one of my senators to explain how strongly I feel that the Equality Act should be passed. I urge you to write to your senators too. I'll be looking for your letters by searching the hashtag, hashtag letter to my senator. And in the letter, she said this, for American citizens to be denied jobs or housing based on who they love or how they identify, in my opinion, is un-American and cruel. Now you might be listening to that. And if you haven't listened to my episode on the Equality Act yet, you might be thinking, well, yeah, that's so true. People shouldn't be discriminated against. But remember, this Equality Act wants to regulate religious nonprofits and it wants to impose its secular beliefs, its leftist beliefs on even private Christian schools. A private Christian school who believes in traditional marriage because the Bible teaches pr traditional marriage under this act would probably no longer be able to deny uh, to not hire someone based on their gender identity or based on their sexual orientation to someone on the left and they think, well, yeah, duh, of course, you shouldn't be able to discriminate on that. So you are saying that a religious school is not able to actually act out or manifest its religious views. You are saying that the government has a right to dictate who you can hire and not hire, no matter what your religious views are. And so, but it's, it's never seen that way from the left. It's never seen as religious people have a legitimate beef with the government stepping in and saying, hey, you cannot follow your conscience. Instead, we see something like this, that they won't be discriminated against uh, for who they love or how they identify. I mean, just the wording of that, if you don't see the influence of the God of self and the elevation and the glorification, the idolatry of self and everything that we see in, uh, I won't even even say just on the left, but in secularism today, it's, it's, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's there. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, she then talks about how protecting the LGBTQ community would bring more jobs to Tennessee, uh, referencing the fact that businesses like Amazon and Apple have spoken out against the anti-LGBTQ slate of hate. Um, in recent months. Now, the slate of hate she's talking about, um, it's a term that advocacy groups have coined after Tennessee introduced a series of bills that from their perspective, that's important, from their perspective, um, would be against the gay community, for example, and the transgender community. One of the bills, the Tennessee Natural Marriage Act, um, it would ban gay marriage in the state. Now, you could be against that. You could be against banning gay marriage, but it's the prerogative uh, of these legislators to be able to propose legislation like this. 
Um, so she talks about, okay, because of the slate of hate, we're going to lose jobs. Apple and Amazon said that they're not going to, they're not going to be doing business with these states. And in her letter, she talks about President Trump's opposition to the legislation um, that the House just passed. She says, I personally reject the president's stance that his administration supports equal treatment of all, but that the Equality Act in its current form is filled with poison pills that threaten to undermine parental and conscience rights. Swift wrote. So she rejects that. She said, no, one cannot take the position that one supports a community while condemning it in the next breath. Uh, as going against conscience or parental rights. Uh, that statement implies that there is something morally wrong with being anything other than heterosexual and cisgender, which is an incredibly harmful message to send to a nation full of healthy and loving families with same-sex, non-binary, or transgender parents, sons, or daughters. Well, there are plenty of people who do believe that it's immoral, Taylor Swift. There are a lot of people in this country who believe that homosexuality um, is something that doesn't align with their religious views. So if they run a religious nonprofit or if they run a Christian school, for example, they should have the prerogative and the ability to say, hey, we're only going to hire people that fall into our worldview, that fall into our value system. Um, and it's the same thing with parental rights, by the way. I mean, she's saying, no, parents shouldn't have rights to say that their child shouldn't get, for example, hormone therapy to change their gender when they're 10 years old. Taylor Swift, are you really saying that a parent shouldn't have a right to do that? Parents do not care, Taylor Swift, whether or not you think it's immoral for their child to uh, transition. And doctors don't care about what you think, Taylor Swift, about whether or not they should perform an abortion or whether or not they should, which this is something, that's something that the act covers, or whether or not they should uh, do a sex change surgery if they are morally opposed to that. So because Taylor Swift, and this is a problem that all celebrities have, it's this crazy hubris, she thinks that she is the moral arbiter, that she thinks that it's wrong to imply in any way that someone might think that homosexuality or transgenderism is immoral and they are not allowed to operate according to that belief system. Why? Because Taylor Swift doesn't think it's immoral. It's so close-minded and completely delegitimizes the views of millions of Christians and Jewish people and probably people of other faiths too that are more conservative-leaning. It completely discredits their views on traditional marriage and on gender roles that exist. And this is exactly why so many people, conservatives especially, don't listen to celebrities. Like Taylor Swift tried to advocate for um, for a candidate in the Senate race uh, last year, and it completely failed. I mean, she came out and said, you know, this person's against the LGBTQ community and I'm for them, blah, blah, blah. So please vote for this Democrat. Well, the Democrat ended up losing. And so even though she probably does have a lot of cultural sway, um, especially I would say more so outside of Tennessee than she does inside Tennessee. It's still an interesting thing to talk about, uh, but I just don't know how much uh, manifest impact she is having when it comes to how people vote and what people actually do. All she's doing is stirring up a bunch of resentment and anger um, among people who just don't know better. There is no thought anymore, particularly among the left, to religious liberty. There is no thought anymore to freedom of association. There is no thought anymore to being able to operate according to your conscience, a conscience that might contradict leftist politicians. No, they have said that they are the arbiters of truth. They are the 
arbiters of morality and they will say, oh no, we just want love. We just want inclusion. We just want tolerance. We just want everyone to be included and not discriminated against. But again, that's not the role of the government to be able to say that you as a person who wants to operate your business or your organization or your family according to your conscience, it should not be the role of the government to say you can't do that. So Taylor Swift, of course, very narrow-minded and very short-sighted, as most people are when they hear this emotional language of protecting a particular uh, vulnerable vulnerable community. Um, She said the reason why she's getting involved in this when she supported the Democrat uh, for the Senate race, I think his name was uh, Phil Bredesen, uh, she, she posted saying, you know, a lot of people have have seen that I've been reluctant to publicly engage or to voice my opinions, but that's changed. A lot of things have happened in my life that make me want to speak out about this stuff. I think she just kind of got embarrassed that she became a meme and she kind of got embarrassed that people uh, were making fun of her, I guess, for being silent. I just wish she understood the joke. The joke was not that we actually wanted to hear her opinions. The joke was that we are glad that she doesn't voice her opinions. I think that she took that is thinking, okay, well, I've got this platform. I've really got to speak up about democratic values. Woo, you're so different. Um, so she has put her money where her mouth is. Maybe maybe that's something to speak of. Um, she gave $113,000 in 2018 to the Tennessee Equality Project, which of course is a pro-LGBTQ advocacy group. I don't know much about them. I would say that they're probably behind something like the Equality Act and they might even be the advocacy group that said, hey, Taylor Swift, it's time for you to say something about this. Uh, she performed at iHeartRadio's Wango Tango, uh, not, I think it was this past weekend. Um, and during her performance, she got political by talking about the LGBTQ community and their rights and uh, what we need to be standing for. And she said, you know, a lot of my songs are about love and I just feel like you, you, who you love, how you identify, you should be able to live your life the way that you want to live your life. You should have the same exact rights as everybody else. Well, they do. Well, they do. They do have the same. Gay people do have the same exact rights as everyone as everyone else. But also it just tells us what Taylor Swift thinks is the um is the guidepost of morality or is the moral compass and it is <laughs> this is such a perfect encapsulation of the so-called morality of this age which is exchanging the god of the bible for the god of self and it is exchanging the truth with my truth it is exchanging any kind of principle or objective reality for uh my principles and my subjective reality that all that matters the only values to the secular world particularly the secular left today in america are there are two things the two values that they have are autonomy and authenticity Those are the only principles that you need to abide by in order to be seen by them as a moral person. And the only way to be an immoral person is if you try to step on someone's autonomy or step on someone's authenticity. And so all laws that they want implemented, all uh, value systems, all schools, all doctor's offices are supposed to affirm everyone's autonomy and authenticity. Um, So autonomy, you have full control over what you do no matter what. That means that if you want to get an abortion, well, autonomy speaks to that and you get to. Um, Now, of course, where's the autonomy for the baby? We don't talk about that. That's too confusing. Authenticity, however you identify, whoever you want to love, whatever you want to be, 
that is your prerogative. That's what you get to do. And no one is allowed to tell you that your autonomous choices and your authentic choices are wrong. The only wrong is saying that there's wrong. The only sin is saying that there's sin. The only bad way to be is a bigoted way to be by telling someone that who they are, what they've decided to do, um, is not right. Apparently, no one has the job anymore of being able to say that there is any kind of objective standard of right and wrong. Now, you already see the paradox in that, in that by saying that there is no right and wrong for everyone, they're saying that there is a right and wrong because while they're saying that everyone gets to be who they want to be and do what they want to do, they're saying anyone who says that there is an objective standard, that there is, say, a God who is a moral authority, that there is a right way to live, that they're wrong. So there is no absolute truth and they know that absolutely. And anyone who says that there is, is wrong. So you just see the confusion there. It's not a sustainable worldview. Any worldview, really, any worldview without God is not a sustainable worldview because we are naturally made in the image of God. We are naturally moral people. We have this kind of sense of right and wrong, this sense of injustice. We are mad when someone steals from us or steals from someone else. We are angry when someone's rights are violated. That There's a reason why we are angry about something like theft or rape or murder or something like that. Now, of course, there's disagreements within abortion and things like that. But in general, there is a desire for justice, for rectification, for vengeance. Uh, when wrong is done, we are naturally moral people. There are not very many people, no sane people, who would look at, for example, Hitler's Germany and say, oh, that's just relative. I mean, it's just, you know, cultural relativism. That was just a different time. That was a different place. You know, it's probably fine. There's not very many people who would say that. No sane people would. We would say, no, that was immoral. That was wrong. It was wrong to think that way. But that doesn't make any sense from a secular leftist perspective where the only God is self and where the only values are autonomy and authenticity. It doesn't really make any sense to say anything is ever wrong. It doesn't make any sense to say that uh, any kind of totalitarian regime that killed millions of people were wrong. Well, maybe they were just living their truth. Maybe they were just doing them. Maybe they were just living their best lives and doing what they thought was best. Maybe they were just being autonomous and authentic and so you see the confusion there when you claim that the God is self, therefore all truth and all morality is relative. Therefore, all you have to do is be yourself and be authentic. And then that takes away any right of judgment that you have to say that one action is wrong and one action is right. But they're not willing to do that. So you see the inherent contradiction there. That's why it's so much easier to believe if you believe in a moral law, if you believe in a right and wrong to thus logically say, well, there has to be a moral lawgiver. If you haven't read Mere Christianity and read the argument of C.S. Lewis for the moral lawgiver in that book, I highly, highly recommend that you do. It will give you a lot of clarity on why it doesn't make any sense to say that there's a right and a wrong and not say that there's a God. That's why it is okay for Christians to cite God for the reason why they believe something is right and wrong, because there is no right and wrong if there is no God. There is no moral law if there's not a moral lawgiver. And so in Taylor Swift's letter where she says discrimination is wrong, this bigotry is wrong, but you should be able to be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do unless 
your Christianity or your religion runs up against how other people want to be and what other people want to do. You just see this contradiction of our age, how it's not sustainable for us to be our own gods. And that is the freedom and the beauty and the purpose and the liberty that we have as Christians to be able to bow down to the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the ultimate, supreme, transcendent moral lawgiver and say, I don't have to be confused by this. I know right and wrong. God told me in his word, he sent the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom. And he tells us things are not going to get better from here, but we stand strong and we persevere and we know what the truth is. Um, that, that is the joy and the clarity that we have when we're reading something like Taylor Swift and we're reading this backwards logic from people, uh, in the world who think they have it figured out. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be confused about this. We get to go to the word of God, uh, and seek clarity for that. So Taylor Swift has also said that she's going to be more political in the future. And so we can get uh, really excited about that. Um, again, if you want to know more about the Equality Act and what exactly it is and why it's so dangerous, particularly for Christians, you can go back and listen to that episode from a couple weeks ago. Okay, we are going to talk about now David Platt and Donald Trump. And so there was a day of prayer for uh, Donald Trump, and this was uh, in Virginia, and it was uh, so there was an unannounced visit by Donald Trump to McLean Bible Church in Vienna, Virginia. It's one of the largest churches there. Uh, this is the church of former uh, IMB president, Pastor David Platt. You've probably heard of David Platt. I think he wrote the book. It was called Radical. It was really big when I was in high school. He has been an extremely popular teacher and author uh, for a long time. You maybe have heard some of his sermons. He's extremely passionate, extremely uh, passionate about overseas missions, for example. And um, while I don't agree with everything that he said, he certainly takes a different approach to racial issues than I think is biblical or has sometimes in the past. I do think that he is a solid pastor who is solid theologically and who is grounded in scripture and has a genuine love for the gospel and seeing the gospel spread. So apparently he was surprised by the president uh, visiting the president visiting uh, the church. And so he was told backstage, apparently he's going to have an opportunity uh, to pray over Donald Trump. And he had no idea this was going to happen. And so he took this opportunity and here's what that sounded like. And so we stand right now on behalf of our president and we pray for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom upon him. God, we pray that he would know how much you love him so much that you sent Jesus to die for his sins, our sins. So we pray that he would look to you, that he would trust in you, that he would lean on you, that he would govern and make decisions in ways that are good for justice and good for righteousness. So a lot of people were really excited about about this. I was really excited about it. I listened to it and or I watched the video and I thought that it was amazing. I thought that he did a great job of not in any way endorsing him. Like this sounded exactly like a prayer that you would pray for Barack Obama or that you would pray for any president. There was no in correct me if I'm wrong if you listen to it and disagree with me, but there was no uh 
there was no partisanship in it. There was no endorsing in it. There was no praise of Donald Trump in it. It was just like, hey, I want this guy to know the gospel and I want other people to know the gospel and I pray that he would enact laws that are just. Um, but a lot of people apparently were upset about this. Now I saw on social media this long thread of someone saying that President Trump has like literally ruined their lives and taken away everything from their families and how could David Platt do this? So I'm guessing David Platt, so David Platt wrote, writes this response to his church because of some complaints. I'm guessing that the thread that I saw on Twitter is an example of some of the complaints that David Platt uh, had inside his church. I mean, it, that's crazy to me. So this is a part of what he said. As I said in the sermon today, Christ alone unites us. I love that we have over a hundred nations represented in our church and our church family, including all kinds of people with varied personal histories and political opinions from varied socioeconomic situations. It's clear in our church that the only reason we're together is because we have the same King. We adore, worship, fear, and follow with supreme love and absolute loyalty. And his name is Jesus. Um, there, He said that he was very upset by the fact that there were people in his church that were angry uh, about this, that had uh, beef about this, that how dare he pray for President Trump when President Trump is such, you know, an awful person in this person's, in these people's minds. Um, but he reminded them, and I think this is a great thing to remind people of 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6, that says this, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be it made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. I thought that David Platt's prayer was a perfect reflection of that, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on. I can't imagine if I were someone who didn't like Donald Trump, who weren't a Republican, I would still be listening to that and applauding and being like, yes, he just shared the gospel with him. Thank God. Thank God for this opportunity. If you are a Christian, if this were Barack Obama, and I mean this genuinely, if this were Barack Obama and David Platt did the same prayer, said the same prayer for Barack Obama, I would be on my knees praising God, saying, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Thank you for speaking through David Platt. Thank you for the opportunity and the reminder to pray for people in high places. There reminder to pray for people who lead us. Thank you, Lord. But because so many people, unfortunately, are completely corrupted and deranged with uh, Trump hatred, and I'm, I'm not saying, I shouldn't say completely corrupted. I'm not saying that these people aren't Christians, but their mind right now is so warped by a resentment against Donald Trump. They have demonized him. They truly think that he is some kind of spawn of Satan, that they can't even obey the scriptures. They can't even defer to God's word and say, okay, you know what? I don't like this guy, but God's word is clear to pray for all people, that God wants all people to be saved, that we're supposed to pray for all people who are in high positions because this is pleasing to the Lord. And we are supposed to share the gospel, the mediator between uh, God and men, which is the man, Jesus Christ. We're supposed to share the story about him. David Platt did that. Amen. End of story. There is no biblical beef that you can have this, with this. No biblical beef whatsoever. I saw some people on Twitter saying, oh, you know, um, this is just another white, uh, another white pastor condoning and supporting a white supremacist president. Are you crazy? If he is a white supremacist, if he is a white supremacist who you think is truly evil to the core, who has enacted all of this evil legislation and whatever, of course, he doesn't 
necessarily enact legislation, but you know what I mean, um, that he has advocated for all these evil policies. Wouldn't you be praising God all the more that maybe Jesus is going to change his heart? That maybe David Platt planted a seed here? That, that maybe this was an opportunity for Donald Trump to know Jesus? If you really think that he is the spawn of Satan, like, aren't you just rejoicing and hoping that Jesus changes his heart? Of course, if you like Donald Trump, you also think that this is a great prayer. There's nothing wrong with this at all. You think that we should be praying for that he has wisdom to lead this country. But I don't see, if you are a Christian who believes in the Bible, how you could have any beef with this whatsoever. And the fact of the matter is, there is no biblical reason to have any problem with it. If you have a problem with this prayer and you call yourself a Christian, you have a problem with the word of God. You don't have a problem with David Platt. You don't have a problem uh, with Donald Trump. You have a problem with the word of God. You have a problem uh, with 2 Timothy or with 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. That is your beef. I would take that up with God if I were you. I would say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not believing your word. Forgive me for not believing you. Forgive me for not prioritizing the supremacy of scripture and change my heart. I am a, a sinner. I am sinful for being angry over this. If you are angry over this, you need to repent of that sin because you are living and you are pushing in opposition against what the word of God says. And I would be saying this, I promise you guys, I would be saying this if this were Barack Obama, if he were praying over Kamala Harris, if he were praying over Bernie Sanders, if he were praying over Pete Buttigieg, I would be saying the same thing. Any Republican, any conservative who called themselves a Christian who had beef about that kind of prayer being prayed over a Democrat, I would be saying the same thing to you, that you're problem is with the word of God. It has nothing to do with President Trump. Unfortunately, politics has so infected, I would say, particularly the minds of the Christian left that they really don't, I, I think that they really don't want Trump to be saved if he's not already. They really don't want his salvation. They really don't want him to be influenced. They really don't want him to lead in a way that's just. They really don't want to have to say God has changed his heart. They really don't want that for him. And that, again, is sinful. That is hate. And that is evil. And as we know from 1 John, you cannot hate your brother and love God at the same time. If you as a Christian hate someone so much to where you do not want them to be saved, that is wrong because God loved you. You know that President Trump, apart from Christ, is no worse than you are, right? Like, you know that all of us, apart from Christ, are dead in our sin? That's what Ephesians 2 says. We are dead in our sin. There are not different levels of dead. We are all dead. And when we are saved by grace through faith, we are not saved because of merit. We're not saved because we were better people than Donald Trump and because we're more usable than Donald Trump is. No, we were saved in the midst of our depravity that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know that you are not any better of a person than Donald Trump is apart from Christ. All of us are in the same depraved, lost, broken, destined for hell place apart from Jesus Christ. And if you don't want Donald Trump because you hate his politics to be reconciled to God through Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, again, your problem is with the God of the universe, not with Donald Trump. So I would just take stock of that. Good job to David Platt. Good job. And I, I don't think that he even needed to... I don't think that he even needed to issue this explanation. Quite frankly, I think it should have been because it wasn't an apology, but it came across as giving validity to the people who were angry in his church 
about this prayer. Dude, if you got people angry in your church about you obeying the Bible and sharing the gospel and praying for people in high places, then that you've got some work to do. You've got some theological work to do in your church. This should have been more of a rebuke than it should have been any kind of concession. You didn't need any explanation of whether or not this was a surprise, why you did it. All you had to do was post uh, this First Timothy passage. That's it. You didn't have to say anything else about that. Now, I understand that he's empathetic, that he loves his church, and I get that. And I think that this probably came from a good place, and far be it from me to say that I know about more about the Bible uh, than David Pott does. Of course, I don't. But it saddens me. It saddens me that anyone in his church would compel him to the point of feeling like he needs to explain himself. You don't need to explain yourself. God explains you in his word. Um. And again, I will say, you've got some work to do in your church if people have a hard time with you following the word of God. That's what you are called to do. And so in all things, in all things, we have to examine ourselves. If we are angry, um, if we find ourselves being angry to the point of not wanting someone on the other side of the aisle to be saved by the grace of Christ and changed by him, if we don't want the gospel to be preached because we're angry politically, if we don't want someone to be prayed for because we're angry politically, then we have an issue. We have an issue. It's on us. It's not on the politician that makes us mad. It is on us. And even if you see a politician as your enemy, the Bible also takes care of that. The Bible also says to pray for your enemies. So again, I will say there is no biblical reason to be upset about what David Platt did. I hope that he stays strong. I hope he doesn't explain one more thing. I don't. I think he already explained too much. I don't think he needs to explain anything else. And anyone who has a problem with it, take it up with God. Okay, that's all I've got for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I will be back here on Friday.